Short-term rates are high and they're going to remain high for some time. How long exactly? I can't say. About a year from now, I think would be the median guess as to when they start will start to come down on short-term rates at the earliest. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Together we are bald. <clears throat> oh, that wasn't as it's exciting as I expected it to be. We, we're bearded. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are eco babbled, spouting, bald, bearded people, and that is our first disclosure. Yes. Uh, yes, we give bad puns as well. Very. Sometimes extremely. Sometimes puns you can't get out of your head for the next year. Just groan constantly. It's horrible. Second disclosure given. This is the Personal Wealth Coach. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. That's not a coincidence because the two guys in that firm and the two guys on this program are the same two guys. The The program predates the firm, but uh, at the firm level, we've got to give fiduciary investment advice. That's what we're signed up to do. What does that mean? It's got to be in the best interest of the client. Can't do that on the radio. We don't know who you are. There's privacy stuff involved. So what are we doing here? If we can't give you advice, why are we on the air? Hopefully, we're going to give you some education and not in athletics. We will be giving you, hopefully, some stuff that you can use in your decision-making process. Just because the firm's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC, a firmly um, disapproving government authority, is going to somehow give us some kind of a thumbs up. Nope, that's just our regulatory agency. They don't approve. They don't attaboy um, kudos or any other form of pats on the back, shoulder, or head. Um, They are required to come and check people out. It doesn't mean if you haven't been caught that you haven't done something wrong, but that's their job. Go out and find people. Okay. Um, Let's see here. This uh, is not a paid-for program. We don't pay for this program. We're not paid to do the program either, which is some kind of weirdness when you're talking to economists. Why are you doing free work? Ah, Hopefully what we are providing on the air here is performing some kind of benefit long term to the listeners. And the very concept of capitalism as written by Adam Smith says that If we can improve ourselves and those around us, then everybody improves. Uh, There's a whole invisible hand in there, too, but that would almost imply an invisible fly as well. So, yes, that's a very long-winded disclosure. You've got a disclosure to add now. The information we present on this radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. There. Well done. Now we have disclosed all of our disclosures to say that uh, we are not closed about anything. We're open. Why don't they just call them openings? So they're at the beginning of the program. They're disclosures. It's like we're un- unclosing the door for you here. <laughs> okay. So what happened this week in the market? Uh, it's September. All week. All and week. 
Yes, yeah, first of September and the beginning of this week occurred on the same day. Well, that's so a weird September coincidence. Very strange. Um, and during September, did you predict this? This is this is seems September. That th- this seems very surprising. That September showed up. Yes, it's very unpredictable this time of year. Who would have expected oh. it? Sorry, go ahead. Well, during September and markets, stock markets tend to decline all around the world, and nobody has been able to really give a definitive reason why. There's lots of theories, there's hypotheses. We have ours, somebody else has theirs, but it happens. And fundamentally, there was nothing significant in the news uh, during the week that was particularly negative, but the S&P 500 representing the U.S. stock market uh, fell 1.29% to 4457.49. There it's was still above the 4400 range. I, I think the only thing that could have contributed to that as a big piece of news is China and their approach to the iPhone which is a really, really silly reason mm-hmm. for the entire stock market to go down. But when well, Apple, Apple starts down and then it holds a big chunk of the S&P 500 because it's big. It's the biggest. Yeah. And, you know, the, there were several things that came up that clearly affected the market, but they weren't significant. For example, Russia and Saudi Arabia decided not to increase their oil output to stay on the limited output they have been claiming to be on for the last several months they announced no change that was the the announcement was no announcement that was their they announced but nothing is announced so and the news came in on wednesday that the united states economy is growing very nicely and did grow in the third quarter and that caused worries that the federal reserve will raise rates higher longer than was expected which caused a little dip in the market and then it was thursday it was worries about apple uh, the, the market actually went up a little bit on Friday, but it boils down to the fact that we're coming in off vacation. People are paying attention to getting their kids back in school. And so a lot of the buyers that trade on the market aren't buying as much as they normally buy. And so September tends to be kind of a meh month. Uh, I've often been, I've been asked several times by people, if you know that September is a month when the market normally goes down, why don't we just get out of the market at the beginning of September and get back in at the end? The same reason we don't do buy in May, sell in May and go away. Uh, some years, the market hits a peak in beginning of May and it's October before you can safely get back in. But there are other years when it goes up all through that time period. So trying to guess what's going to happen in the immediate future is not profitable. So we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, the S&P 500, though, is up 16, over 16% this year. It's a 24 plus percent higher than it was last October. And for those of you who remember that ancient time of March of 2020, when the pandemic was hitting full blast. That was like uh, three centuries ago. Yeah, well, more like three and a half years ago, not even three and a half years ago, a little over three years ago, the market has, the S&P 500 is twice as high today. It's doubled since its position in March of 2020. That was exactly three and a half years ago. And it's 35% higher than it was three years ago exactly. Uh, But it's still down about 7% from where it was at the beginning of 2022. And that's just the way this market is operating. Uh, It gets within about 8%, 7 or 8% of the record it set January 2022. And it slides back a little bit. And why does it do that? Because people are scared that it will slide back a little bit. Basically... And we've said this many, many times. Uh, I'm not completely sure who coined the 
phrase, although I first heard it from John Templeton, um, a bull market climbs a wall of worry. And we've got a lot of worry out there, which indicates we're probably in a bull market. And I think we are in a bull market. And I think it will sometime, I would not be at all surprised to find it finally break through its January 2022 record high this year sometime towards the end of the year. So Sir John Templeton said that. He said a lot of people have said that bull markets climb a wall of worry. And then he coined a phrase of his own. He believes that bull markets are born on pessimism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. And that, I I, think, mm -hmm. is something encapsulated in behavioral finance. But he was several decades ahead of his time in saying that. The reality is that when we're in a bull market, the headlines that you see out there right now about everybody's all scared about everything, that's what you should expect to see in a bull market. It's weird. We're not back to the top that we were in before. And most people think of a bull market as somehow breaking new ground and making a new record every day, that is when you're maturing on optimism and getting into the euphoria world. What you have in a normal bull market is is people recognizing value that's been undervalued, people recognizing companies that have been oversold and buying into them, but they're afraid because they just were oversold. So when you buy something cheap, it doesn't matter if you're buying a car, a new purse, not that I've ever purchased a new purse, maybe a man purse for myself. But the reality is if you just got it cheap, is it going to fall apart? Is there something really wrong with it? Why is the market valuing it so low when I think it's a good quality item? And that's what bull markets are made out of. So there's always this, well, yeah, I think I got it at a good price. I think I did. I think I got in there and I got it. But whoa, everybody else was selling it. And it doesn't matter how professional you are at it when everyone around you is pessimistic it's really hard to be optimistic um and vice versa is true so when we're in the world of euphoria and i would invite you all to go back and listen to our radio programs in 2019 they're on our webpage. you can find them on podcasts as well So going back then and us talking about, hey, things are getting euphoric, you can actually go back farther than that in our news program, in our radio program to pre-global financial crisis and listen to us say, hey, things are a little over the top right now. Expect things to get bumpy. Why were we saying that? We weren't reading some great chart of technical data. We were looking at headlines and everybody was saying, this is going to go on forever and saying, that's not how this works. We live in a world of cycles and this does not feel like a bull market, which makes it a bull market. <laughs> uh, so um, was that the end of the what happened in the market this week? No, no, no I just interrupted no. you. Sorry, go ahead. And if you have followed this as we tend to do, uh, the high interest rate on the you know high, high yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note, which is the benchmark for the rest of the bond or borrowing market, was in the upper threes for a long time. And that was unusually high based on recent history. And then it went above 4%. And now it's up to 4.26%. And it's been rising 
pretty steadily since I, it peaked in October, slid a little bit backwards, and then started back up again. Um, and the in longer term interest rates, as we have suggested, are going up very slowly. They're very slowly creeping upward. Uh, the the very very short term securities, the the uh, bills they're called, less than one year, are all yielding well above five percent. And that's kind of the going interest rate. Uh, just looked at a uh, Treasury money market fund yesterday, and it was uh, the seven-day uh, SEC yield, which is over the last seven days, the average yield in this particular security, this particular fund, uh, if it were extended for the whole year, would have equated to four point, I mean, 5.29%, uh, which is Kind of seeing that in a lot high. of places. You can see it in CDs at banks now, although they're yeah. not quite that high. They're getting up they're not close. That high. Yeah, they're up about four, four point. The highest one I've seen so far is 4.75, but there may be some higher ones out there on CDs. But what the important thing to recognize is that interest rates are significantly higher than they have been. And there is no indication anywhere that they will go down anytime in the foreseeable future. Now, just throw, this, throw this out here. Really good reason for that. One year CDs in a couple of places are going at five and a half percent. Um, yeah. But that's an online bank or someplace not local. Right. I yeah, presume. absolutely. Yeah. That's correct. The banks that don't have bricks and mortars, um, they don't have physical buildings, uh, obviously can afford to pay a little more than well, others do. Bank of America is offering a 0.03% interest one year minimum deposit, $1,000. 0.03 interest? Yeah, percent. 0.03%. I wonder if they're getting a lot of takers on that. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, when at the same uh, time, Sally May is saying 5.15% and U.S. Bank is 4.95. So this is, this is, we'll be going into more detail about this. Some of our first questions of the hour are on this exact subject. Um, though they may not even know it. Um, but back to you in the market. Well, we just talked about the treasuries. Um, we've been saying this is going to happen for some time, but short-term rates are high and they're going to remain high for some time. How long exactly? I can't say. About a year from now, I think would be the median guess as to when they start, will start to come down on short-term rates at the earliest. And there's a couple of reasons these short-term rates are so high. One is obviously the Federal Reserve is cranking up the, uh, the rates at the very short-term overnight level. That's what they control. But the Federal Reserve also has a huge balance sheet. And they balance sheet means they own a lot of bonds and notes and bills, and they want to unload those and convert them to cash. This is how they slowed part of how they slowed the economy down. If you have a thousand dollars, and I'm, this is just a generic example, if you have a thousand dollars and you can spend it on something, you may decide to go spend it on something. But if you see that there is a an attractive rate in a well, let's say to make it ten thousand dollars in a ten thousand dollar treasury bill. That's paying, let's just say 5.5%. You can buy that and it's very liquid and will mature in less than a year. And it's going to pay you 5.5% annualized to hold it. When you buy that, in, and let's again make this oversimplified, you, let's say you bought it straight from the treasury, which is possible to do. $1,000 disappears out of circulation in the economy. You took $1,000 out of your bank and you put it you're not to the go, treasury. Right. You're not going to go buy something as a consumer with your thousand dollars, it in fact, it in, in effect disappears for a while, which is part of how the Federal Reserve reduces the money supply during the 
pandemic and immediately following, the Federal Reserve was buying bonds on the open market. They bought a lot of bonds on the open market. That mm-hmm. tends to keep interest rates down, and it takes money from the Federal Reserve's coffers and puts it in the hand of people who will spend it, hopefully. And we did. And now the reverse is happening, and the Fed has got a huge balance sheet they need to shrink so they'll be ready for the next crisis, and they've got to sell those. And the more they sell, uh, the more treasury securities they sell, the higher interest rates will go. Because uh, when you when there are more sellers than buyers, the value of anything goes down. But on a, on a bond or a note or a bill, as the value falls, the effective interest rate automatically rises because they're still paying out the same number of dollars. It's just a higher percentage of the underlying security. So when Chairman Powell and other members of the Fed, voting members, have said again and again and again, interest rates are going to remain higher longer than the pundits on Wall Street or anywhere else expect. I take the word for it. It's fact that it's in fact going to happen. Yeah. In the last week, the Federal Reserve sold $20 billion of bonds in. In the last mm-hmm. month, slightly more than $100 billion. They do it in clumps, and any calendar month, they're supposed to stay right in that $95 billion range. But anytime they're selling anybody that's selling almost $100 billion a month into a market causes the price to go down. That causes interest rates to remain high. So as long as that goes on, interest rates are going to remain high. Pre-pandemic, the Federal Reserve had right under 3 trillion dollars in its coffers it wants to get back there it's got over eight trillion now so at a at roughly a hundred billion a a month a little less than that we're still talking three and a half years before interest rates go back to what people are expecting at this rate at this heavy rate of selling so it's going to be up for a while. This is not the Federal Reserve does not want to keep this balance on the books indefinitely. They want to sell it down. And that means interest rates are going to stay up. They recognize that if they sell any faster than they're selling right now, it will have a really bad effect on the economy. They saw that in the first bank failures. Um, and having said, oh, this is kind of the wrap up there. I'm finished the markets. Oh, please, please do. Oil, West Texas. Intermediate crude, which is the benchmark in the United States, is at $87.29 a barrel. That's the highest price we have seen since last October. Get ready for higher prices at the pump. Why did it go up? Two reasons. We mentioned earlier that Saudi Arabia and Russia have said they're going to continue with their reduced output of oil, which generally tends to run the price of oil up. And the news that came out this week that the United States economy is accelerating which means there will be greater demand for oil in the future. And so the price has been creeping upward. And that's the end of the markets. There. Do you have a wrap-up for this week? Mm, It's September, and the market is basically moving sideways. It fell 1.29%, the S&P 500 did for the week. And the economy is continuing to move ahead. It appears that when we finally get the third quarter GDP in, it will be much higher than any of us could have imagined a year ago. And it is probably higher in this quarter than China's. So that uh, Mohammed el Orion came out with an article that was just published that said, uh, it is no longer considered inevitable that China will grow larger than the United States. I don't think it's ever going to catch us. Yeah. And uh, the decisions they're making right now are are definitely putting hammers and hammering nails into certain wooden boxes. Yeah. And Uh, it's the, the issue is that of all the places you could live in the world, at least from the terms of the economy, this is probably about as good as it gets. Uh, one last piece of wrap-up this week. 
the uh, co-creator of PowerPoint, Dennis Austin, passed. So why are we doing that? Because if you have ever been at any kind of economics meetup, there is a language that economists use. It's not English, it's PowerPoint. Um, so I wanted to make take a moment to say that the inventor of the economics language has passed, or co-inventor. Um, so sad, sad that he has passed. Uh, and mm -hmm. we're about out of time. So if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give investment advice and portfolio management to people of relatively high net worth. The local number voicemail during the weekend, real live people during the week is... 254-947-1111. Or you can go toll free, should you have a landline, which... Mm, you know about that is 1-800-914-7526 that's 800-914-PLAN you can go to our webpage thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com you can read our newsletter sign up for it you can listen to our radio program going back a long ways listen to our podcast wherever you find podcasts email us directly at jeff and or jake at tpwc.com